Hey. Hi. My name is India. I'm Gwen. And this is Another Girls Podcast. Period. Welcome back. Hey. Welcome back to our podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about porn. Porns. Porn. Um, But before we get into it, um, thank you to our new editor. We have an editor and producer. Yeah. um, Anthony. We'll put his at in the whole description. But he is the shit. Yeah. If you're watching on YouTube, the reason our setup looks better is because of him. If you're listening... The reason your listening experience is better is because of him. Yeah. So leave us a five-star review and thank Anthony for your improved experience. Yeah. He's to thank. Um, How was y'all's Thanksgivings, though? Like, tell us in the comments. DM us. Tell us a crazy story about something that happened with your family. How was using the boundaries that we talked about? Just let us know. Tell us anything you want to tell us. Um, all right. Now to porns. Yeah. We have an icebreaker. When were you first exposed to pornography? Um, okay. So I was like 12 or 13, and it's like the most innocent story ever. I was like, there was a guy that like, was friends with like my cousins and like we were texting he's like oh like go to this website and like that's all he says like oh like you'd like this website and it was like something that wasn't like porn in the name I really forget what it was and I was like okay cool and it was like porns and I was like oh my god like you ruined me like what was that it was like like disturbing and it was like he was 16 and I was 13 so it's just like I don't know a lot to unpack there but that was my first exposure to porns I forgot to say in the intro but today I am dressed up as my interpretation of what a porn director looks like uh I'm dressed as the first woman to direct an ethical pornography um my first exposure though was when I was in seventh grade I think I would hang out with this girl after school all the time she was like my best friend of the moment and same thing she was like there's this website look at it and it was you know one girl two guys and they were outside and they were naked and they were doing things to each other and it was very like I don't know I think the first time that you see pornography it's so like jarring and it really does something to you. I was like, oh my God, what is this? Like, I'm so confused. I've barely hit puberty. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, like, this is a little bit off topic, so we'll only stay on it for a little bit, but do you think there's, like, a way, like, when you have kids, if you decide to have kids, to (sighs) gently expose them to 
this type of stuff because it's literally they're gonna see it. I know the way it's so like widespread. Like you open in any app and it's gonna be there, and then like they're gonna have a situation like where it's us, where it's like we were just sent it by another kid. Like we didn't know what we were looking at. So how do you? Uh, God, yeah, and I think that we're like the first generation who is like brought up in this age of like widespread consumption of pornography or like the widespread accessibility of pornography and it's only going to get more and more so as kids in the future grow up um I don't know that there's a way that you can like ease them into it because you can watch movies that have sex scenes and you can watch whatever and there's like a little bit of pornification that seeps into the culture where you see music videos with Megan the Stallion and Nicki Minaj and everybody's got their ass out and everything is already hypersexualized. So I think like in a way society is kind of easing the children into pornography, but like actually seeing the act of people having sex versus like seeing a very sexualized woman on a screen those are two different things so I don't I don't really think there's a way to like prepare your children for it except for maybe having open and honest conversations of like this is something that you are going to see and there's nothing that I can do about that but here is what I do know about this and I would like to share with you this information regarding pornography so that you have it in the back of your mind when you are exposed to it. I think that's probably the most helpful way to go about it. Yeah, I agree because there's no preventing it. And I just also feel like as a parent, it doesn't really do any benefit to try to control things overly too much because kids have friends kids go to school kids seek out information and part of like growing up is being exposed to more things so I definitely agree like give your opinion your thoughts provide them with information and see where it goes um speaking of it not really being in their control how often are you involuntarily exposed to porns like like either full like on, on fucking or like, like just like just sexualized like, images like what exactly do you mean i think i mean like for me i open twitter and it's just there i don't follow the people it's just like what's popping up hmm. in 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 and I've heard the thing of, oh, on Spotify, like, kids are being exposed to porn. This might be a real reach that QAnoners are putting out there. Um, but I've heard that people are often involuntarily exposed to it, but it's not something that happens in my digital use. I don't know if it's just, like, the spaces online that I'm spending my time are pretty clean and g-rated but i am 
also not on Twitter. Yeah, that makes a difference because for me, I don't go on Twitter often at this stage in my life, but when I do open it, if I, like, scroll for anything longer than two minutes, there's something that's going to pop up. Oh, wow. Like, hardcore, like, penis and vagina. Yeah. (laughs) I, um, the only social media that I'm really on is Instagram, and they're very censored, so Mm -hmm. I don't see any of that. God bless. Yeah. 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 Um... Do you want to go into the history of porn? Yes. I actually, a lot of this was inspired by a collection of essays that I had to read in college called Consider the Lobster. And the first essay in it was called like Big Red Sea, which is like Hollywood's name for the porn industry. And basically, porn actually... The concept of erotica and erotica images that were meant to arouse started back in ancient Greece and they were used to promote fertility. Like, oh, if you make the woman and the man more aroused, it's going to make it higher chances of them having kids. So that's where it started. But then with the introduction of print and um playboy things like that you saw the spread of it increase and even in the time of let me start with my like hitting point i think that throughout time porn in its development has always exploited women and not paid them what they deserved and disproportionately harmed women so like if we go into the print era of playboy uh, and marilyn monroe and things like that pamela anderson there's a documentary on netflix that i highly recommend for anyone to watch who's just interested in learning about her perspective outside of what we've been shown um she was in playboy at a young age like 18 or 19 she had to pay for her flight to get there she had to pay do her own makeup get there she poses and didn't get paid a lot of money to do that she ends up blowing up and was able to be on that one show baywatch but even then, transitioning into the history too, when video and DVDs started becoming a thing, that's when the annual adult video films award show was created. There's literally an award show. It's the same week as like the Oscars, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar. And the AVN. Yeah, like. Yeah. And it's, like, in San Bernardo Valley, like, right across from Hollywood. Um, And with the introduction of, like, VCR DVDs came the those awards and just more popularization of it. With that, Pamela Anderson was in that era as well, and her 
the sex tape that everyone knows her for was stolen from her house. Like, mm-hmm. it was a home video that was made between her and her, I think, husband at the time. And it was stolen from her house. They make millions off of that video. It was, one, not consensual. Two, when she tried to get it taken down from, like, tried to, like, get it taken down, they were like, no, like, we found it. It's posted. It's still going to be up. And then she didn't get any money from it, although it was millions being made. Then you Wait, I have an interjection to that. Yes, please do. I don't know if you're familiar, but... Netflix or Hulu or something put out like a uh, dramatized series of like what happened there. Like, sorry, I keep on saying like, um, it was the story of how the sex tape got stolen from Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson. And even when that reenactment went out, she was disempowered because she said I really don't want to relive this this is traumatizing for me like I do not consent to having this story retold and again she was disregarded and re-traumatized the Pamela Anderson the Pamela Anderson story is really sad yeah she talks about that that Netflix thing or whatever too in her actual documentary where the first time she actually got to do things from her perspective but yeah it's like exploitative and it goes along with like the rise and evolution of the porn industry so then you go from that like video kind of internet new wave and then we get the internet porn we get our porn hubs and whatever else there is um and with that just contributed to the widespread accessibility for people to just watch it at any time in any place, especially with how we have 5G, we have Wi-Fi, smartphones. It is not like back in the day you have to go to a magazine store and get a Playboy magazine or even when it was on DVD and video, like you still have to spend, like go home, sit, put it in, take it out. Like it was like a barrier to the constant access. And now with, um, porn hub, like websites, we are just able to have access to it at any point in time. And then shifting from that, the porn industry also with the internet does not pay women, um, enough for their work regardless if it's sex work or not they don't get a proportionate amount of what is earned on the videos there's a influencer Mia Khalifa who got famous from a porn where she's Lebanese and in the video they had her wear her hijab so it went really really viral it's one of the most watched porn videos to this day is her and her job and she got death threats because of it because it is disrespectful uh, disrespectful um and she got death threats from it she tried to get the video taken down um she tried to get more money from it and to this day she's only made like ten thousand dollars total from one of the most watched and profitable 
porn videos. And porn is, like, so accessible and free. And a point that I've heard is if you aren't paying for this, you are, like, you are the product. If you aren't paying to consume this, you are the product. Meaning the point of the widespread intentional pornification of our culture is to keep this cycle that keeps young women thinking. And there's an entire Rashida Jones essay and documentary. It's called Hot Girls Wanted. It's really good. It came out like eight years ago. I really recommend it. But the intentional pornification of society is to keep young women thinking, oh, this is a viable career path, when literally the most famous woman in the entire world got her start from a leaked sex tape, it puts the idea into young women's heads that you can't tell me anything. Like, what do you mean this is a career? Like, this is how you get the things that you want. This is how you get that lifestyle. And it's that trap and that image that's being put out that lures the women in. But then once they're in it, it's the thing with Mia Khalifa where you are not seeing any profit from that. The people who are making money off of it are the men who are producing these things and selling these things of us being abused uh, against our will and I think it's really, really interesting the way that the mass accessibility to porn has shaped our society. And, like, I'm not going to make a statement of, oh, porn should be illegal, period, point blank, and I know that you're not supposed to consume it before you're 18, but everybody sees it before they're 18, and... The people who are in it are 18, sometimes even younger than that. And if there's anything that I wish from the porn sex work industry is like, I don't know, you need more age verification to watch it. You need to put regulations on who is able to be in these and how are they treated in the workplaces. I wish that there were more regulations within the porn industry. Yeah. I think as far as the point that you brought up on not profiting and autonomy, that leads me into OnlyFans with the evolution of porn. And Mia Khalifa actually had, I don't know if it was OnlyFans, but it was a similar website if it wasn't OnlyFans where she was like I'm taking autonomy I'm gonna make some money she had a goal where she needed to make money for starting something else I forget exactly what it was and she was like okay well I got my titties done in Miami I had that viral porn I'm not making money off of it let me at least capitalize on my new titties 
and get the money from it. So I think websites, honestly, like OnlyFans, empower women to, women and men to, I think this is fine. It's okay. Okay, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it, it empowers women and men to create and get more profits because on OnlyFans you get 80% you get 80% Uh, I don't agree I do not agree I think that OnlyFans worked for her because she already had her name out there and she already had a platform of people and yeah she got fucked literally fucked (laughs) because she made a porn but like she got fucked on the on the making money end of it um I think that that is another part of the trap that I was talking about earlier that makes these young women think this is a viable career option. Being an OnlyFans model is a viable career option. For some people it is, but for a lot of regular schmegular people who are just like, I'm so exhausted from working a minimum wage job and this seems like a quick and easy way to make money it's another way that you disenfranchise yourself because you don't have the platform of people who are subscribing to you and now you have this digital footprint of yourself in a compromised position on the internet and you're how old doing this and you might not be able to like fully think of the consequences of you putting yourself in this position so yes you have more autonomy in the work that you're doing, but it's still not, you're still a part of the trap at the end of the day because you're putting yourself out there doing this thing. You're not going to make as much as Mia Khalifa or Bella Thorne or whoever because you're not them and you didn't have that platform beforehand. You're like a dummy little 18 year old from Kansas city, Missouri. And now people see you doing this and you're going to get hit up. You'll have more opportunities in sex work, but the more opportunities in sex work that you have, the more you open yourself up to being harmed by people who want to use you and profit off of you is how I feel about OnlyFans. I think it works for some people and I respect that people are getting their money off of it. But I also think that like the widespread idea that OnlyFans is this ethical way to consume porn is a bit misconstrued because it's the same idea of this is how I can get really rich and this is how I can take my life where I want it to go that lures young women in who don't have any business doing this. But I think there's a difference between the basis of consuming OnlyFans and, like, profiting versus the marketing that goes into making people think that it's a viable option for young women. Because if I'm properly informed, because I'm aware, like, I have a family member who makes her living off of OnlyFans and she lives nice, like, she lives great and she feels empowered she 
has other gigs that she gets out of her influence and um she's happy about it i think so i but what i see on the other end is the hustle that she had to do and the business like she's a businesswoman and she'll be like i don't post anything on instagram unless i'm getting paid like she's a businesswoman and it took business effort it took investments it took her relocating to a different city for her to be able to um gain the audience that she wanted it took her going out and meeting people telling them about oh hey follow me on instagram it took effort and it was a business decision that she made that was best for what she wanted and I think if you inform people you empower them to make decisions that are best for them so if everyone's like equally informed on oh this is a business this is what you have to do like you actually probably need some form of a marketing plan you actually need to do invest in these materials oh you have to know how to get these angles you have to keep your body in shape to a certain way you need to know your target market everything that goes into it and the fact that you will not be able to do it forever because as you age the less People want to see you. Yeah, people don't want to see. So if you're. People don't want to see an old person fucking. If you have a real plan or you are properly empowered to make a smart business decision, I don't see anything wrong with the OnlyFans. I am never going to be against the sex worker. Like, I will never be mad at the woman who chooses this as her career path. I will be mad at the structures and the things that got us to this point of having widespread sexually explicit content available at our fingertips that's what I'm mad about. I'm never mad at the individual who is working in this field. I'm mad about the implications that it has on society as a whole. Um, and I know that that's something that we're going to get into where we're going to talk about the way that it messes up our ability to have relationships in real life. But... On the note of OnlyFans, I just have a quick question. Do you feel like your man is cheating if he is subscribed to an OnlyFans account? If he's got, like, an OnlyFans girl that he loves? Would you prefer him do that or, like, go watch free porn off of Pornhub? Go watch free porn off of Pornhub because the money that you're giving to her, you should be giving to me. <laughs> yeah, I feel it's that. like not the fact that like even if oh, it's like fifteen dollars a month, you're like, uh, uh-uh. I'm kind of like, you know, on TV when they would say, oh, for fifteen dollars a month, you can support 
this zoo animal in whatever continent. I, I kind of feel like that. Sorry, OnlyFans girls. Like, I think that you're real people. But it's like, you know what? It's $15 a month. Go get your fair trade porn. I... Mm, I no give me the money give me the money I want the money like even if it's $15 the $15 could have been my lunch that day like it could have been some sweet green yeah it could have been I don't really want my man watching porn period point blank but like it's just like you're specifically supporting another woman's lifestyle that's not mine and not your sister and not your mother and it's like, uh-uh, like, you're not about to be supporting another women's lifestyle when I be going to work. Like That's true. Like, no, 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 no. That, that's my monies. Valid. That's <laughs> very valid. I mean, yeah, if I were in a relationship with somebody and I found out that they were subscribed to somebody's OnlyFans, the way... That I feel probably isn't what is being reflected in this episode. Like, I would be pissed. I'd be so pissed. I feel like you're sick. You're disgusting. You're a dog. You're a trick. And at the end of the day, you're a fucking loser. We have to definitely have another episode on sex work in general. Because that just made me think about how I don't think that I could take someone serious if they ever paid for pussy absolutely not that's weird to me like even you know how like you have you heard of like the passport bros and all that oh no we hit our 30 minutes oh okay well we'll we'll, we'll keep going we'll keep going yeah but we have a little timer we like get carried away just talking to you but yeah, yeah um i just couldn't do it if i found out that you paid for pussy um Okay, moving on. Moving on. Impacts of the porns on the brain. Tell me about it. It is for real psychology. Go ask a scientist that studies the brain. It changes the way that... Oh my goodness, Jesus Christ. Okay, we're going to fix it. Please hold. No, you can talk. But then you're not going to be in the view. Okay. Three fucking cameras. Okay. All right. So it changes how your brain registers, like the reward system. So when you have such easy access to always climax, it makes it so that in real life you may not experience as much pleasure. It also makes you get that whole like whatever you want whenever you want objectifying women as like sex objects because of the exposure now um in that essay that i talked about at the beginning of the episode by david david foster wallace he starts the essay out by saying it is confirmed that one to two dozen men in the u.s every year go to the er because they have castrated themselves fact not fiction and the reasons that they cite for this is because they couldn't deal with the anxiety of either trying to perform or always wanting to have like impulsive sex and like the 
unrealistic expectations that porns set for like actual real life sexual experiences and they literally could not take it anymore and try to cut their dick off yeah mm-hmm. yeah i hate porn i really hate porn i hate what it's done to people and their ability to like be sexually functional I think that is like the best way to put it is to be sexually functional because it gives you an idea of what sex should look like and it's not true to what real life is and then I think that it's hard on women because it puts them in a space where they're being objectified and people are now in real life having sexual experiences and something that happens when you watch a lot of porn is you need like a level up to be turned on you need a level up to be aroused by what you're seeing and so people will start to watch more violent things more graphic things because they need that rush and so then in real life they're having sex with real people who are not porn stars who are not sex workers who are not consenting to this and they're getting violent with it and it's harmful to women it's harmful to men because they feel this insane pressure to perform sexually and I think that society has put this thing on men where it's like you need to be able to fuck all the time and if you can't get hard on command like you're not a real man and if you don't like have sex with all these different people then you're not a real man and if you aren't there's just so much pressure if you don't have a big dick you're not a real man and there's so much pressure on everybody to perform sexually and I just wish that that weren't the case. I think people would feel a lot more mentally healthy. I think that mass porn has had direct implications on mass decline in mental health. I think it's had real-life implications on people's ability to find and stay in long-term relationships. I mean, on top of dating apps, but I am terrified of the culture that the internet has created for love and relationships to flourish. And your point on mental health and it impacting it negatively, studies literally show that the the change in how like dopamine is transmitted ultimately makes it so that people who use porn a lot report more anxiety more depression and lower quality of life science fact not fiction (laughs) yeah so i guess our timer went off let's close out the episode the last question that i want to ask or explore is is there a way And I should have prefaced this at the beginning, but when we're speaking about porn right now, it's straight heterosexual porn. Like, the the stuff that everybody sees, we have not even scratched the surface of, like, LGBT porn, 
this is strictly from this isn't niche fetish stuff. This is just like what you see if you're India and you log on Twitter for the day type porn. Um, but does ethical porn exist? Is that such a thing when you consider the greater societal impact? How can somebody ethically consume and does it ever serve a good purpose in the world or is it all negative? I have a lot to say on this that we can scratch the surface of and talk about in another episode, but I do think, yes, there actually is a, when I was doing research, a website, multiple websites that do like what is called ethical porn and they literally have a labeled like, oh, this was produced ethically and the way that they characterize ethical is um fair compensation for the people that are in it creating safe environments um for the people who are doing it and then there's not like hardcore stuff it's like real sex i don't like it's not like do they charge you to watch it i don't know if they do i didn't look into that but that would be a good point of like if you have to pay to watch it that's introducing a barrier which helps with some of the issues that we talked about and I think part of the the conversation on ethically consuming it is up to you because like God gave us free will and if you are educated on the negative impacts of porn and you say okay I'm gonna watch only off of this ethically produced porn website and I'm going to limit myself to maybe you have a partner and your partner's out of town and you would like to consume porn because you're not going to see your partner for maybe they're in the military and they're away for three months I think there are ways but it's like with everything it's a balance and I, I do think that it can be ethical on top of that the way that the world is now which is a bigger conversation lgbtq people and black and brown people have less access to viable jobs and sometimes this is the best job for someone to eat and that's just a harsh reality so yes i do think it can be ethical because Sometimes it is the only, because of our messed up society, that is the most viable option for some people. Like I said, love the sex worker, hate the industry. Uh, I guess, I don't think that there really is ever an ethical way to consume porn. That's just my opinion because of the structures that it upholds and the way that it messes up your brain and reward system. And I don't know. I know that it's going to happen regardless, but I don't know that there really is an ethical way to do this. I heard an analogy where it's like, when you're snorting a line of cocaine, you're doing so much more than just that line of cocaine that's in front of you. You know, it started as a plant somewhere in South America and there was 
crime that happened to get it here. There's like literal blood that happened to get this illicit drug in front of your face. So when you're snorting it, you're snorting more than just the drug. You're kind of snorting the bad spirits that come along with it. And the same can be said of the pornography industry where you're consuming this item and it's packaged to you as ethical, but you're also consuming the bad energy of everything that's going into this like I don't think anybody people watch porn in in privacy they watch it in shame generally I mean I know that there are people who do it with their partners and it's like a thing but for the most part this is like a very private secret part of people's lives and it's shameful and there is a reason that it is that way it's because it's a dark dark thing so that's how I feel about it and I think that this is a topic that we can come back to again and again it's one of those things like how social media has impacted our culture I think how porn has impacted our culture is a topic that no matter what we start off talking about I will always be able to find a way to come back to Uh, So today we just scratched the surface, but I think you can expect to hear a lot more conversations that kind of sound like this in the future. Yeah. And something I definitely want to explore is like how we ended up with differing views on it in the end, because we can talk about it in a different episode, but I think our personal relationships with porn are the same like we don't consume it in our lives like we've had exposure to it which is inevitable but we both come from the same kind of like personal relationship with it so how did we end up with such I don't say such differing views but like the end of like can it be sex ethical we have different views so yeah I'm I'm interested to unpack that in a later episode, but... All right. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Remember to give us five stars. Follow us on Instagram at Another Girls Podcast. You can follow our personal at Gwendolyn Robbins is mine. At The India Jade is mine. Uh, DM us. Tell us what you'd like to hear. Tell us what you liked about this episode, what you didn't like. We would love to hear from you, but... Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Special shout out, put Anthony's at. Yeah, in the. We'll put put a pop up. Anthony, Anthony, when you're editing this, please plug yourself. (laughs) All right. Much love to all you baddies. Okay. Bye. Bye.